You're listening to the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast with Eric Powers, Justin Mucka, and Sam Connor, joined by Matthew Dennis as we talk through Lead Like It Matters by Craig Rochelle. Today, the guys discuss Chapter 5, Divine Focus. Hello, and welcome back to the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast. We are reading Lead Like It Matters by Craig Rochelle. Uh, and we would love for you to read it with us, ask questions, join the conversation. You can do that by emailing us at podcast at gracepoint.church, or you can follow us on Instagram, GP Leadership Podcast, and message us there. We would love to hear from you guys. We might even talk about some of your questions on the show. Uh, we're so excited about today's show. Uh, today, we have Matthew Dennis with us. I've got the guys. Ooh. i got Justin and Sam, and, and today, Matthew is joining us. Matthew, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Good right. to be back awesome. with you guys. I've missed yeah. you. Yeah, welcome back to the show, Matthew. It's so good to have you. Uh, give us a little update since we've had you on. Uh, we had you on last season. Give us a little update. What's been going on since then? Yep. So I am now moving into my second year of teaching upper high school Bible at Maryville Christian School. So not much has changed. I guess the only thing that has is, let's see, last year I had... 9th and 11th grade for Bible, but this year I have 10th, 11th, and 12th. Um, but um, yeah, not much has changed, but it's just, I'll say this, it's, you know, if you guys could just still keep me and the students and your prayers, uh, just because even though it's a Christian school, it is such a mission field and there's so much warfare going on over those students' lives. Um, honestly, you know, what's funny is a lot of people kind of, they'll say to me sometimes, oh man, you, you work at a Christian school, it must be easy. The kids must be so nice. And honestly, most of those kids I do not believe have a personal relationship with Jesus, but they are so hungry, just kind of like this generation as a whole. Uh, they, are, they, they know that there is something very empty in them. They want to be connected to something higher than themselves. And... Um, so, yeah, it's a mission field, and my goal is just to uh, help them meet their maker, the one that they were made to be in relationship with, and, and, and ultimately introduce them to, to Jesus. That's well, awesome. That's good. Um, well, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're back with us, Matthew. Uh, last week, guys, we talked about vision. Uh, we, we took a shift in the, in the, in the show, in the season. Uh, we're not doing a, it's, it's no longer a setup. It's no longer an introduction. Now he's getting into the meat, these components that it takes to have it. Uh, last week we talked about vision and Matthew, I watched you form vision and pray through vision and wrestle through creating vision for a couple of different things while we work together at Grace Point. Uh, tell us real quick what you feel like are a few key a few key components in creating and writing vision for ministry and even beyond that but writing vision for your life yeah so first step automatically with any kind of vision that i've cast is prayer and lots and lots of it and not microwave prayer either um because of course you know when i was here I was juggling multiple hats, whether it was children's ministry uh, or college ministry or forming the discipleship program. I took each ministry with the same approach. Even though the visions for each look different, 
it always started out with, and I like that you use that word wrestling because in a lot of my life, that's what so much of prayer has been is, is a deep wrestling. It's where, you know, um, because so many times I think it can be very easy for pastors to uh, get caught up in our own vision and then mm. kind of slap God's name onto it. But my my heart for each of those ministries was God knows his children way better than I do. Yeah, He knows That's specifically, good. so again, for the children's ministry. So before, because anytime you go into a new place also, this is, you're also dealing with this. You can't just barge down the gates and establish your vision right away because what you're walking into is a history and a context of a place. That's good. Yeah. Um, you need to earn the, the 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 trust of the people. You need to show that you genuinely care about them, that you are genuinely there to serve the Lord. And all in that time, when I first got here, I was using the first couple months while I was establishing relationships and gaining trust to also wrestle with the vit because I knew that God was going to give a new vision for what He wanted for the children's ministry. And so probably over a course of, I think it was about three or four months, I would just start having these words and phrases come to my mind. And I just kept hearing run towards the hard things. So Mm. you guys, of course, you guys remember me saying that a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. When I was here. And... And so from that, and then it's like, so for me, it was this process of, okay, I'd hear a phrase and, and then I'd, I would pray into it. Okay, Lord, what do you mean by run towards the hard things? And then I would start, you know, kind of seeing pictures of mountains and things and, and, and mountains generally bring to mind, you know, hard work, exertion, you're hiking up, you know, steep elevation. And, and then, and then, um, and then after just months of prayer, it just kind of came together. We were partnering with children or with families to help our children run towards the hard things so that they are mountains of faith that the world can never move or change. And so, um, and that was what the Lord wanted for that specific group of kids for that time because he knows their hearts. And it's been super encouraging to this day, even though they're all older now, to still hear every now and again, a parent reach out and say something like, yeah, my kid's still talking about running towards the hard things. And, and, um, and so again, that's just one example. That's what the children's ministry, but you know, all that to say is beginning it in a deep wrestling with prayer because you're ultimately engaging with the, the, the true shepherd of people's hearts where God knows his kids hearts better than you do better than, than any of us. And so ultimately you want it to be his vision, but then and this is the last thing I'll say, and I'll. I'm just I'm passionate about this. You're good. It's dude. uh <laughs> it's um. I would say a second part of that also is 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 knowing that along that process, when God gives you the vision, then He's going to add to it through other people, because the vision's not ultimately just about you. Because mm-hmm. then the next stage is then you invite people into that conversation of okay, this is where I think the Lord is leading. Um, Because, again, um, being a pastor is not a solo act. You are also serving with other co-shepherds, so to speak. 
and you want to invite them into that process as well cuz you know there's there's safety in numbers and accountability and then and then from there it it grows into something more you know beautiful than anything you could have imagined um so yeah so the second step i'd say is include people in it and then of course um then you get to the part where you cast it and again there's more you got to be able to um, that's why that trust element is so important because by the time I was casting the vision, I already had the trust of the people and I didn't have, it's not like I had to barge down all of these doors to, to get it established. That's good. I, I honestly knew that it wasn't going to be quick whenever I asked that question. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I knew how passionate you were about that. And I just wanted to hear it. And it kind of lines up with the things that you're saying kind of lines up. It lines up perfectly with the things that we talked about last week that things like, you know, really pray through it because it's got to be a God idea, not a good idea. It's got to be a God vision, not a not just a good vision. And, and that's kind of the things that we talked about last week. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, today, guys, we're going to read chapter, we're reading chapter five. And uh, the, the topic in chapter five is divine focus. Uh, it's all about putting God in focus, building off of last week, following his vision. Uh, he begins with a story about his son, uh, Craig Rochelle, the author, begins with a story about his, his son in this, in this chapter that was struggling in school. And long story short, he needed glasses. Uh, and when he was able to see, he talked about how everything changed for him. Uh, everything changed for his son. He, he, he was commenting on the leaves, talking about how beautiful the leaves were and stuff. And uh, Craig Rochelle, at the end of this story, makes this, uh, makes this comment. He says, uh, at the bottom of page 52, he says, It's amazing what vision, what focus can do. Uh, and then it, he goes on to say, To get it, we need divine focus. And so the theme of this chapter really is going to talk about a lot of times that how uh, churches are sometimes all about doing everything. Uh, and that's a big mistake that churches make, that leaders make, is that we want to do everything. We want to put a lot of irons in the fire. We want to kind of spread our hands into all kinds of things. Um, and we're not enough uh, We're not enough about doing what we do the best. Um, and, and so that's kind of what he's going to talk about throughout this chapter. Uh, and, and it even means like we're going to, we're going to do not as much so that we can do the, what we do best, even if that means we're not going to do as much. Right, guys? Right. So uh, me and Sam were actually talking earlier about, you know, a lot of times we can do as much as we can instead of doing exactly what matters to our ministries. And so, and Sam can probably add more, more to this because this was initially his idea, but um but it's just like we we get so caught up with like all the stuff that we want to do and all the stuff that that sounds fun to us, um, and and again like we hit last week, Sam said uh, the difference between a good idea and a and a God idea, and a lot of times we chase after our good ideas because those are our passions, but that might not line up exactly with what the Lord wants for your ministry, and so uh, it's all about like a tug and pull, but really just going after the God ideas, the things that you already know that God's called you to do, and. The uh, the vision that God's uh, called you to um, to present to your to your team and to your ministry. So we all know that growth is a really great thing, and it's something that we all want to do. Um, but it's almost detrimental when you try to spread yourself too thin that you can't actually grow, and you can't you can't you can't expect to get bigger. You can't expect to be able to do more just because you get involved with more. And it's it's just going to cause yourself to crash and burn because 
there's only so much of you to go around, right? Um, of course, there's there's delegation and all that stuff, but if you're not focused on uh, the simple things, right? He talks a lot about that in the chapter, but uh, the simple aspects of um, your ministry, the simple aspects of what the Lord is telling you to do. He's not the author of confusion. He's going to make it clear to you. Uh, He's going to help you see what he wants for your life, for your ministry, if you're following his path. And so if you're, if you're allowing yourself to get caught up in the moment and, and you're like, Oh wow, look at this. This is good. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. And through all that, you miss the main aspect of why you're doing those things in the first place. Then, that's when your focus becomes unfocused, uh, for like a, a better way to say that. But it's it's been like I, you can see that in your life, not even just in your ministry, but um, in terms of ministry, um, sometimes simple is better, mm. and that's that's really what he hit hit on, and not even simple in terms of like. A lot of times it's funny because God in the Bible, like it's God's word. So in his word that he, he's given to us, uh, a lot of what he truly means through his word is simplified for us to be able to understand better um, by the way that he has presented it to us, placing it in terms that we can understand. And so um, when we try to do too much, we're, we're drawing, adding too much meaning away and drawing away focus from what it should be, and ultimately that's on spreading God's word, on uh, following his direction. That's good. I, I think a, a pretty big theme throughout this chapter is less is more, for sure. Uh, just just saying that, you know, saying no is okay, less is more, uh, growth comes from no, stuff like that. Uh, we see a lot of that throughout the chapter. I think what, really cool, at the, towards the beginning of the chapter, one of the first ingredients he tells us about having divine focus comes from something that he um, that he observed in ministries. Uh, and, and I like this. He, he says, in my observation, ministries that have it tend to be focused on a limited set of targets. They do a few things as if all eternity hinged on their results, and they do these things with godly excellence. And so, uh, Matthew, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but it's it's like we're, we're going to say no to some things so that we can do less, but we're going to do less like eternity hinged on it. Like we're going to do it to the best of our ability uh, with godly excellence, um, and it's going to make a, a godly impact. Yeah, that is such a powerful principle for ministry just because no is one of the best words you can learn as a pastor or the leader of a ministry because just like the book was talking about, there's so many good things we can get caught up in, but not God things. Um, Something that really tends to bother me about a lot of modern day churches is there's just, there's so many programs. And, and the reason I'm saying this is because after moving back home, of course, I've had to visit a lot of different churches and I visit, and of course, this area of the country, it's, you know, it's growing a ton. 
And so there's a lot of churches that I've gone back to. I'm like, man, I remember when this was a small church and now it's, it's big. But something that I've noticed, and I'm, of course, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, a, a common thing that I'm noticing with a lot of these churches is just there's so many things going on, but there's there's just there's kind of a shallowness in in, in the teaching of the word and um and and things where I look in scripture and when you look at the early church and I don't mean this as a you know because I'm also not one of these guys that's like, oh man, the early church was perfect. If you read Acts, mm-hmm. there were quite a lot of problems. <laughs> they weren't perfect either. But their ministry was so powerful because it was insanely simple. And, you know, I was telling, of course, I was telling all you guys earlier, what was really cool is the the church I was at on Sunday, literally when you guys sent me the chapter and it being on Divine Focus, the, the pastor came out on stage and he said, okay, my message this morning, it's about staying focused and keeping the main thing, the main thing <laughs> in ministry. So I don't think that was a coincidence, but all that to say, yeah, it's no is an incredibly powerful word. And this goes back to vision. This is why your vision has to be from the Lord. It has to be very clear. It has to be concise. And you also have to have the practical steps for making it happen because your vision is, I mean, it's like a funnel. It, it's, um, and even in your personal life, this has always been convicting for me because, you know, one time I was just praying with the Lord and anybody who knows me knows I'm a very passionate person and I kind of, I dabble in a lot of different things. And but I remember the Lord just stopping me and being like, Matthew, do you want to be okay at a lot of things or great at a few things? And on that day, I wrote down three simple things that I really believed he wanted me to do with my life. And that was through a process of connecting the dots Um. I was reading a book recently and it says, if you want to know what you're called to, look back on your life Mm -hmm. and pay attention to what you have always said yes to and what you have always said no to. And so paying attention to how you use those two words is going to formulate your own personal vision, but it's also going to help you define what you're supposed to do in uh, your church and your ministry, because if you have that clear vision, you can always pull it out anytime some new idea or something comes up. And it usually comes from a good place because people want to do a lot of good things. But you have your vision and it's clear and it's like anything that does not line up from it, it should be an automatic no. Mm. Yeah, Matthew, I love that. I love what you said about how all these churches have so many programs and it's just Hard. It, it could be hard to stay focused when you have when you're actually executing all these ideas that you have, um, and yeah, it's part of your vision, it's part of your p- passion. But a lot of the times, the initial vision that the Lord's given you that you've set in like 
in writing and that your team's following, it's so easy for us to, especially as creatives in like media or in the actual worship music uh, ministry at your church, it's, it's like, oh, it'd be cool to have um, like a choir for this or do this song that's pretty hard and everything and have all these moving parts to it. Um, when you kind of like, you can lose sight on the sim- simplicity of simply just coming before your congregation and just just straight out like, the, our job should just be not to worry about all the distractions like the arrangements or anything. That's why preparation is so important, but you can't over-prepare your team with for all these little things when you're losing focus on actually leading your congregation in worship and, and just simplifying your arrangements or, 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 or just just simply just saying, hey, we're just going to do keys and vocals and acapella just for the section of the song. Uh, instead of that, you're, we want to like, oh, we're going to do this hit and this hit. And we're going to make this musically really cool when that's not the purpose, you know, or uh, we can even get so caught up with lighting where it's like we're missing the the purpose for having lighting cues, you know, it's to make transitions a little bit smoother with lighting in the room and everything. Now we want to do flashing lights for opening songs and, and be really intricate with, with that portion of it. And, um, I feel like a lot of time, the efficiency and the effectiveness of making a really good production and program can get in the way of leading your team, leading your congregation into an actual meaningful moment in worship because we're so caught up with staying on time. Uh, We only got 20 minutes here to get this much music in, and this is the arrangement for this week. Um, And then you have your people on stage not worshiping because they're worried about what's coming next. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from with with defined focus, just focus on the vision. And this is like part two of vision. This is part two of the previous chapter really is what this yeah. is. It flows yeah. perfectly into the next thing. So, um, but yeah, that's where I'm coming from, from my. I think, I think what you're saying, Justin, I, I think what you're saying, Justin flows perfectly into our, our first sub subtitle of this chapter. He says too many, too much, too bad. And he talks about Martha. Uh, he talks about Mary and Martha, uh, Martha being overwhelmed with the responsibilities of hosting Jesus uh, because she's overwhelmed with these responsibilities and trying to do, do, do and get everything done and prepped and, and ready for Jesus to come. She completely misses the moment, right? It right. seems... Uh, it seems like she is doing the right thing because she's serving and she's uh, preparing and she's trying to get the things done and get the work done. Uh, but she's also, she's missing the moment. Like, because she's so busy, she's completely missing the moment. Jesus Christ, God himself, is sitting in her living room and she's she's missing it completely. And, and again, that's this is where he's talking about just... Let's not have, uh, to have it, this is what he says, to have it, you have to choose not to do everything. Those who attempt to do everything always lose it. That's what he says with this story is that like when we're trying to do everything, we lose it. Um, And and that's the point that he's trying to make to us is that like we don't have to do everything. We have to learn how to delegate. We have to learn how to say no. Um, And uh, and that goes right along with what you were saying about worship and lighting and all that stuff. And, And that we just we have to learn uh, we, d- we don't need to miss the moment when Jesus is sitting right before us and, and he's the one that we're actually chasing after not chasing after getting everything perfect and getting everything right and getting everything done 
Right. And I mean, there's a verse that kind of goes with that, like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that says God is faithful and will not permit you to be tempted or do, require you to do above what you can endure. And mm-hmm. so it's like, why are, we, why are we forcing ourselves to do more than we are able to handle? You know, taking a right. bigger bite than we can chew. Right. We have a we have a question that goes along with this section um, in our in our workbook. It says, "When have you experienced a situation in which you let your preparations distract you from the divine focus at the heart of your efforts? How did you feel at that time? When have you experienced a situation in which you let your preparations distract you from the divine focus at the heart of your efforts? How did you feel at that time? Who wants to tackle this first? Oh man." This is one I've had to learn the hard way. Well, I think anybody that, you know, I think most people that start out in ministry struggle with this. But I know starting out, I was so caught up in with like with the children's ministry, for example, it's like, oh, man, I got to have all the decorations up. I got to have the boards done and all this and blah, 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 blah. And then the very last thing I would do would be prepare the lesson the night before. Okay, maybe I shouldn't be admitting this, but <laughs> that's how it was in the beginning. Um, that's good. But what convicted me so much, oh, I can't remember his name, but the the guy that was cleaning here, you know, he saw me putting all this stuff up on the board, but it was like the Lord speaking through him. And he said, he looked at me seriously. He's like, oh, this looks nice but have you focused on the most important part? Have you prepared the word? And Mm. that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And that really made me think about, okay, I need to do a better job of delegating because we even, and this is what the pastor was actually preaching from on Sunday. Anybody who's in ministry, this is just such a good reminder because we read this stuff all the time, but then we forget to apply it to ourselves. But you know, It's when the church was growing in Acts chapter 6. It says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Mm. And so you even had the disciples who... They're they're flirting with burnout because they're not able to focus on their ministry of of feeding and shepherding the body with the word. So delegation is huge in that, and that's something I had to. I mean, I even remember an intern saying, "You have a hard time asking for help, don't you?" And I was like, wow. "Yes, I do," and <laughs> I need I need to uh, I need to ask for forgiveness for that, and because and this is the last thing I'll say on this, is just like with the example with uh, um, Martha earlier, is it is so easy to fall more in love with the work of Jesus than Jesus himself. Mm, And we always have to remember that everything that we do in ministry is an outflow of being with him. John 15, right. one through five, I'm the vine, you're the branches, whoever abides in me, abide. That's a that's a resting word. And then I got one more scripture here that I love. This is something that's been convicting for me in my life lately also is Isaiah 30, 15. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, 
and returning and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. And so anytime we forget that in ministry, that everything we do comes from being with Jesus first, that is our first and foremost. Because how can we shepherd other people into the presence of God if we're not shepherding our own hearts into the presence right. of God? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I love that. I, I mean, we we talk about overflow. I talk about overflow just a lot, actually, um, about how, you know, from the beginning of time, and I mentioned this, I think, in the last episode, two episodes ago, but it's just like God who created the universe, created uh, created it out of like just an overflow of who he is of just being himself. He's, self, he's a self-sufficient being and he created the universe just out of the overflow of that. And so when we spend time with him and he fill, we fill our cups with the things of God, we are operating in our ministry. Uh, we're leading our team, our congregation, our uh, students, our kids, uh, or whatever ministry you happen to fall under. We're leading um, out of the overflow of spending time with him. And I love that. And one thing I think I could probably answer, use to answer this question is when I first got here, I experienced the same thing with, um, I was so caught up with like building the band up and trying to like work with what I've got and just really focusing and hammering in on all the logistics and the technicality with the band that it was like, I could, probably could have spent a little bit more time praying with them sharing the word with them more than I had been. And, it, and so it got to a point where it was like, I was sending out like the vocal tracks and everything and making them all pretty and everything. But it was like, none of that mattered because as long as you give, now this is the practical side of music ministry. As long as you give your, your vocalists their parts, like you're fine. But I was like recording them, playing the keyboard part separately and stacking the vocals and making them sound pretty when all I had to do is just take my phone out, sing into it and send it to them. And that that's enough. But I was trying to take that extra step, but I was losing sight of, hold on, I'm spending so much time doing this during the week when I probably should be praying for Sunday I should be practicing myself. And so in turn, I would know all the parts, but I wouldn't know all the lyrics because I was spending so much time on the music side of things that I wasn't focusing on the lyrics and actually sharing the message. And so I was missing the message of the songs. I was missing the words. And so I had to focus my uh, my priorities on more of a ministry side of things, a more pastoral side of things, instead of just a musician and worship leader side of things, which I've always had to do in the past. Like, especially with my past experience in ministry, it's always been like leading a band and not leading worship, if that makes sense. And so it's just been a learning curve for me. Um, and so, um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And it's, it's so funny, especially when you get into a new position, it's like, it can be hard to just focus on the goal because of all the other stuff we have to get done and we have to do. Um, but I mean, God sees our hearts. And so, and, and thank God for, for grace and mercy because he's so merciful to us, even when we miss the mark and we don't even know it. So, And he'll even use when you do miss the mark to even strengthen your vision because the beautiful thing about me being so stressed and not delegating in the beginning was that was a key factor that actually went into forming the vision for 
uh, discipleship and leadership when, um, when, when my role switched into putting together, trying to strengthen our life groups and, and build up our small group ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, because that ultimately came from the ashes of, man, I have done a terrible job delegating. I'm exhausted. And it led me on this track of reading all these books about basically, okay, what should, it, should, what should a pastor really be focused on? And so that led to, okay, we've got to bring more members in the body alongside of us because, again, like we as the, as the pastors, we, we can't do everything. So just like you said, there's even grace and mercy in that and that even though that was a mistake on my part, the Lord ended up using it in a, in a really good way. I was going to say, um, one mistake <clears throat> that I really struggle with and still do a lot that I probably need to change is I tend to look too far into the future about like different things that are coming up. I, I, I did this with classes. I did this about, like I used to do this with sermons all the time. Um, and then I would I'd do this about like different events and stuff. I, I'll look too much into the future and be like, wow, this is, I, I have this much to get done by this time. Not to say having a focus on the future is a bad thing because that's very much a good thing to be prepared for the future. But if my focus is entirely on the future, I miss what's happening right now. And I think I have done that um, too much. I am definitely learning from it, but it would cause me to miss uh, the moments of preparation. My mom really helped me see this when uh, I went to uh, Texas, uh, drove down to Texas for a wedding good old 12 hour drive is really, it was a long drive. But (laughs) what she told me is don't just be focused on the destination of it. Enjoy the journey. And so I was like, man, that, that that goes with this period of my life as I'm like working on making sermons, working on doing different things for different events, like focus on the aspect of being in the present of that because as you're studying for studying for a sermon, you're you're digging in the word, you're praying, you're speaking to God about it, you're listening to what He has, what He's sharing to you, what He's placed on your heart. You're in His presence as you're as you're dwelling in that. And what what better thing to be focused on is there than being in the presence of God? And so when you're when you're so focused on those other things and it's causing you to dread the things that you should be excited about like it'll like steal your joy when your focus is on the wrong thing. But ultimately when you, when you just remember that he's there with you through all of that, through every moment and that has significantly helped me with um, preparation for anything. So, yeah. uh, Craig Rochelle actually included this verse in, in the beginning of the chapter. And I really think that this verse is like the theme for, um, even vision, but but also especially divine focus. And so Philippians uh, three thirteen and fourteen says, "But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ." That's powerful, right there. It's like yeah. what you were saying earlier, especially at the beginning of what you were saying about. You know, when we get into these new roles, there's a lot of like the past that we have to, the reality of the past that we have to deal with, like with building trust, like 
you know, because someone just stepped out, we've got to transition into this new role. You got to build the trust of your people. And it's just, it's all about what is ahead, building those relationships, building that trust uh, and trusting that God is, is going to use you and that you're going to be a willing vessel for him to be used in, in the ministry he's called you to do. And um, I love this verse for that. And not trying to live up to um, what the person did before, not worrying about everything that came before you because you aren't called to be the leader that just came before you. You're called to be you. You're called to be who Jesus has called you to be. And um, I think this verse kind of follows that, but this is just a great reminder of like, let's press forward. Let's not look at the past. Don't, let's not, you know, be lot and turn into like a salt statue or anything, but keep focused on what's ahead, what God has called you to do. That's good. And uh, the next section of this book, uh, he talks about the two don't list. Uh, that's that's a fun little thing that he did. Uh, we we always are about piling things on our to do list, and I'm sure that we have we all have long to do lists to do. But he actually is like. We need to be more focused on our to-don't list. Uh, maybe we should be uh, praying about that. And um, I-, I love what he says. He says, you are planning what things you won't do, which mo- most do, <laughs> to do best what God has called you to do. All right, let me read that one more time because that is that is a mouthful. You are planning what... The point that he's making is that when we make a to-don't list, it's not that we are uh, just abandoning planning and abandoning things and abandoning doing ministry. What we're doing... This is what he says. You are planning what things you won't do, which most do, to do best what God has called you to do. Uh, And later on, he says this. You do more by doing less and doing it well. And so again, it goes with the same point that we've made before is that when we when we actually say no, when we have a, a to-don't list that we're not gonna do this, instead we're gonna focus on the things that we do well, the things that we're called to do. Uh, and, and that's why it's important for us to know what we are called to do and also to know what we're not called to do. Uh, I experienced this uh, a few years ago whenever I went on a, a mission trip out of the country, and, and that was a moment where I, was, I experienced, I was like, I am not called to foreign missions, and I know I'm not. Like, I'm not, this is, this is fine for me to go on a, a mission trip like this, but to do extended foreign missions, that is not, it's not what I'm called to do, and I found out very quickly. But, uh, but so it's important for us to know what we're not called to do. It's important for us <laughs> to know what we are called to do, and it's important for us to do those things and do those things well. And that means having a to-don't list, that I'm not going to uh, inter- interfere with people doing um, foreign missions. I'm going to support them, but I'm not going to interfere because that's not what I'm called to do. I'm not going to try to tell them how to do things. Does that make sense? I'm yeah. not called to, to music ministry, so I'm not going to try to plan sets and stuff. I'm going to stay in my lane kind of thing. So it's it's a to-don't list. It's a, you know, do less. Um, and because you're doing less, you're doing more and you're doing it well. The next section of the book talks about cutting back to move forward. I think one of the biggest points he makes in this is uh, pretty early in this in, in this section. He says, busyness blurs ministry vision. Um, when we get busy, when we do get focused on our to-do list and we get super busy and trying to do more, do more, do more, uh, we get completely uh, we get completely unfocused. Uh, the blur, the vision becomes blurry. Um, and I think that's 
to, to, to look back, to cut back uh, is a step that we have to take. And, and sometimes we're not willing to take because uh, it means that we, we stop doing things. We, uh, we, we, we have to slow down and, and that's just not the pace of our world. Uh, it's not the pace of our world to slow down and to stop and to listen. Uh, it's uh, the pace of our world is go, go, go. And so uh, what he's challenging us here is to, to slow down, stop, cut back before you move forward so that you can move forward in a better pace and follow the vision more clearly. Yeah. It's um, the funny thing is the last time I was on this podcast, we were talking about, we talked a little bit about Sabbath and its role in spiritual warfare. Um, But to me, just the importance of Sabbath resting in the Lord, resting and working from the place of overflow just keeps coming back to me where in second Chronicles, it's talking about when the Babylonians came in and, and destroyed Judah and took took the people of Judah captive. And it says, They burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious vessels, and it, and it keeps going. And basically it says, All this happened, and then in verse 21, To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. That struck me so wow. hard when I read that because, you know, typically we hear when we hear, you know, Chronicles preached or something, you know, it's usually, well, they walked away from the Lord, they served idols, and they repeatedly broke the covenant. But it's like at the core of it, though, is Sabbath. And why is that? Because Sabbath, resting with God, loving Him more than loving the work of God, keeps it keeps our hearts safe and anchors us in this hope that it's not, we don't find our identity in what we do, and it's not that work itself is a curse. The pain that comes with work is a part of the curse um, because, I mean, originally Adam was working in the garden, naming the animals and, and everything, but... It's that place of rest that's so holy because it's something that grounds our hope, not in the works of our hands or the things we build. Because again, another thing we have to be careful of in ministry is is forgetting that it is not our church. It is always God's church. And just as quickly as he gave you a vision for a church or a ministry, he can quickly take it away. Yeah. It belongs to him. And you guard your heart and you anchor yourself in that hope by resting in him and being with him, cultivating intimacy with him. So saying no to anything that threatens that or being intentional with, you know, um, I have a friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like we approach him from like the genie in the bottle like standpoint. And again, like in our culture, we're so consumer minded and and everything. And that's kind of what we 
covered in the last chapter, um, that it's more like, what can this ministry, how can I benefit from this ministry? How can I benefit from going to this church? How can I benefit from um, being with God? And it's like, you're not actually taking time to be with him and to pour yourself out before him, but we're so concerned with how much we can get from him. Oh, because I'm living my life the right way and I'm praying, you're praying the, the prayer of God, bless me more, bless me more, bless me more. Um, I'm praying for this. I'm praying for that. Instead of how many times do we actually, and I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's like, thank you, God, for what I have. Thank you, Jesus, that you are sufficient for me and glorifying him, magnifying him, pouring all the praise out on him. And we want to just bring our laundry list, like Pastor Phil says, we're bringing our laundry list every time I, we pray instead of just strictly pouring our love out on him and just worshiping him and all of our adoration is poured out on him. Along that same line, um, Solomon talks about how um, when you come to God and you're praying with just all these haughty words just come and just, it's what fools do. Like fools come and, and just say all they can just just to say things and they're just words just flowing and flowing out. And and what you need to realize is in like in your prayer life, like having conversation with God, sometimes the most important thing you need to do in a conversation is not say anything. Mm. Sometimes you need to take a moment and be like, listen, <laughs> ultimately like, like listen to what God has for you. And so whenever you're, you're doing all these things, like trying to, trying to do all this, like, unnecessary stuff like creating habits in that way like forming these habits of like oh this this is interesting to me now so let's 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 add it to the ministry oh this is interesting let's add it and add it and add it without first stopping to see what the lord is directing you to do and stopping to see is this where he wants me to actually go and so then it makes it about you and about what you want and about what what you want to do and so you're essentially telling god in your prayers, instead of asking him, you're, you're, you're going to be like, um, God, um, bless, bless me when I'm doing this, not God, what do you want me to do? And through that, can you bless that? Because it is what you want is what your will is. That's good. The next thing in this, uh, in this section is pruning our ministry vine. Uh, and this, this section is interesting because this is something that none of us, uh, it's hard to do this in ministry because we do think, and he talks about this: is we do think about what people think. We do think about the com, uh, the the comments that will come after we make a move like this. I mean, what he's talking about is like cutting out ministries, like stopping things that we've done in the past. If we if we uh, if we observe these things and we look at these things and we examine these things and they're not actually accomplishing our vision, then we cut them out. Um, and, and that's a, that's an interesting thought because it's like, it's, it's almost like we get to, to a point where we think if I start something, I can't stop it. I have to keep it going and I just have to add more things. Um, and, and what he's talking about here is actually cutting things out that are not accomplishing the vision, making sure the vision is remaining central, uh, because it's, it's a, if it's a vision from God, that's what needs to be vi- uh, central in everything that you do. Um, and he tells us a story about how, um, how 
in his early days when when the they started the church they they started doing all these other things because they they thought that's what made them a legitimate church like let's add sports programs let's add these groups let's add all this other let's build this building like this um and what and it began to suffocate the things uh that were good um and, and he says this he said one day i realized that everything i'd always wanted was slowly killing everything i already had um and, and so it's like sometimes we need to take a step back and that's what he's challenging us to do in this in this section of this chapter is sometimes we got to cut things out that are not accomplishing the vision and we have to be willing and humble and and I think open enough to, to realize that not everything that we are doing, uh, some of it's just busy work and, and some of it can be cut out because it's not accomplishing the vision. Right. Very recently, I mean, I'm talking like two days ago recently, uh, in the middle of worship, uh, and you probably heard this, Eric, on the live stream, um, we we're in the middle of that darling check song, Worthy is the Lamb. And going into, I think it was the second to last chorus and I swore I wasn't going to bring it up until somebody brought it up, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. I shook it off. It doesn't even matter anymore. What happened was the the Ableton computer, the tracks computer, it, like, skipped. It became overloaded. So I stopped the tracks, stopped the click and everything. We went off click. And so we had rehearsed this key change, like, six times in rehearsal. We nailed it. Like, the last two times felt really good. And we went, even went back to it at the end of rehearsal. We nailed this key change. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. But when the click ended and stopped is immediately everyone just kind of choked up a little bit and got worried. And so what I should have done is taken, I, and we had a talk back plugged in. I should have taken it, I should have taken it earlier and just said, we're going to stay in the same key and we're going to land the plane here. No, I just looked at everyone like we're going to do the key change and we didn't have the tracks, didn't have the key. And so everyone got in their head and what I should have done is just said, no, we're going to stay in the same key. No, it was it was almost a train wreck. It wasn't that noticeable, I don't think. I don't think a lot of people noticed. It was definitely awkward. It definitely killed, killed the spirit in the room. But I was so persistent on, no, we're going to do this key change because we rehearsed it. We prepared it. And I was so focused on what we had prepared that I missed how it was going to translate in the room and also like how – how is this, how is my team going to take it without the click, without the tracks and without that confidence, without that crutch? It, not even that it's a crutch. It's just like everyone was in their head. I was in my head. So it was like, where do we go from here? So we did it and it was just awkward. It was like everything just kind of like the energy just dropped out of the room and everyone was just staring and we were just trying to find our track. We got back on track, but it, it took like a whole chorus to get back on track and it was just like I was so focused on these details of we're going to do this key change because it's cool and not leading the congregation in true worship. That was In that moment, I got a little distracted. Um, and I think the way we could have avoided that is just, no, we're going to land the plane and then we're going to sing an extra chorus maybe. But we know we key changed. And so I took, I took ownership of that. And I said, guys, that's not on you. Don't feel beat up. Uh, people were texting me after, like, I'm sorry. I was like, no, that's not your fault. That's my fault. I didn't call it in the talk back quick enough, and I didn't lead you guys like I should have. And so that was just a hard moment for me because I'm like, now I have to really be humble and say this is my fault because at the end of the day, if train wrecks like that happen, it's it's on the leader no matter what. I mean, it's just like the leader make the decision or didn't make a decision. In that in that instance, I didn't make a decision and just went as planned. Um, but, you know, I'm over it now. I, I beg God for forgiveness. 
<laughs> so one of the things he says in this chat in this section is this just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do some do it um, mm-hmm. and, and that is something that I think the the church overlooks and, and again he says no matter what the vision stays central it's like we get these good ideas and we think we have to do those ideas immediately um, and we don't take time to pray through it and and also put it up weigh it up against our vision and make sure it fits in the vision and we just pile these things on and all of a sudden we're doing a million things that we shouldn't be doing um just because we can uh, and so he, he reminds us just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do it and i think that's a good thought that that the church has to uh, and we have to remind ourselves of that personally as well and it's not just church leadership and stuff like that it's also personally i've got to remind myself of that like just because i can put in new floors in my house doesn't mean that i should uh maybe i should pay somebody else to do it so that i'm not consumed with that for so long uh, but uh but but just because you can do it doesn't mean you should I laughed because I know what you're talking about because you did that. <laughs> no, I, I totally did do that. Yeah. I think to add to that, I think sometimes there's a lot of things we think we need that God really actually doesn't need. Because I can't tell you how many times I have preached what in my mind was a really bad sermon. And there's always that one person that ends up walking up afterwards and is in tears because, yeah. of course, in my mind, I'm like, man, I delivered that terribly. And there wasn't really a big response. But something that helps me stay focused is always remembering it's it's always about the one. And that has brought me so much rest in everything that I do now because before I would get really caught up in, oh, my gosh, there needs to be this massive response or – a bunch of people need to show up at this event. Now it's just so if 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 I put something together and two or three people show up at it and I know that I'm faithful to, to do what the Lord put on my heart, I know he's going to honor that because, again, it's it was, you know, it was just meant for who was meant to be there. It's not about the, uh, it's not about the numbers game. That's good. That's good. Uh, the next section of this, and we're almost out of section, so here we go, uh, is think priorities. Um, and, and the first thing he says is, I encourage you not only to think about programs, but to think about priorities. And, and he begins to think about, how, he begins to talk about how our priority has got to be um, Christ and that people will find Christ and we have to make room for more people is, is pretty much what he encourages us to do in this section. And, and he encourages us to do that. It's, it's not about good programs and good themes and, and, and developing staffs and all this stuff. It's, a, it's about uh, making sure that our theme and our, our, our main focus is about uh, glorifying Christ, magnifying Christ, uh, telling people Christ, showing people Christ, and making room for more people to come and experience Christ. I mean, that's it. That's the goal right there, you know. Preaching the word and making it known, and praying that people hop along the the gospel wagon. So, absolutely. I 
I know that Matthew's probably itching to get to this last section. It's, it's titled A Great Work, and it talks about Nehemiah. And I know Matthew is a huge fan of Nehemiah. It's great that it worked out that he got to be with us on this episode when we get to talk about Nehemiah. Um, and, and so, Matthew, do you, do you want to just take this? Do you want to just take this section and go with it? <laughs> uh, sure. I would love to. That's great. I think Nehemiah is just, and again, the reason, again, the, the main point of the book of Nehemiah is not necessarily about leadership, but there's just so many leadership principles from his life. Because you see how his story starts out. He was given a God-given vision and... First of all, that defined his focus, but also he worked from the overflow because if you when you when you read in Nehemiah, he was he was spending time with the Lord and mm-hmm. he was grieved and he was burdened in his spirit because a lot of times when we receive a vision from the Lord, there's also excitement, but there's also a deep grieving. Because what there's this common theme you see where Anytime God gives us a a glimpse of what he wants done on earth, we look around us and we see what is being done on earth is not in alignment with what his will is. Hmm. And so he what what God does is he invites us into his heart for a certain group or a certain place. And that's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. But also when we're resting with the Lord even before the vision more important than any of that and this is what happened to Isaiah. You know, Isaiah is before, before God in, in chapter 6, and he sees a vision of the Lord, and he says, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Mm-hmm. Isaiah sees who he truly is, but then God basically picks him up, and he sends one of the seraphim and says, Here, don't worry, your sin is atoned for, and he, and he touches his lips with the coal. Um, and so... You know, which was which was from the altar of incense, which ultimately we know is a picture of Christ and his his sacrifice covering right. our sins. But the point of that is, is God is telling him, "Don't be afraid." And then he picks Isaiah up, and Isaiah, being in the presence of God, realizes that in the presence of such a a a holy and powerful being, that there's absolutely nothing that could come close to nothing else that could matter more in defining his identity. So then the Lord is able to commission him and he says, who will go for us? Who will I send? And Isaiah is able to say, here I am, send me. So that's kind of a similar situation Nehemiah's in as he's, Nehemiah's identity was founded in the Lord. And so, um, and I love, and it quotes, this chapter quotes actually one of my favorite verses from the, from the from Nehemiah six, and it's when Samuel and, to, and and Tobiah and Geshem they're they're all they're all trying to scare him down from the wall and threaten him with his life, and they're um and, and Nehemiah's response in six three is as he said, "I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come down. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you?" And he even <laughs> says at another point in there, um is, of course, I think Justin has it pulled up, so maybe he can find it while I'm, while I'm paraphrasing it. Actually, but he I, says, have, I have Isaiah 6 pulled up. Oh, you have and Isaiah so, 6. And that's like and a Nehemiah perfect, 6. Yeah, it's perfect parallel, yeah. actually. So go yeah. ahead, go ahead. 
Well, Sorry. there's that's a, I'm trying to find the verse where he actually says it, but Nehemiah also speaks from his identity. There's there's another point where they're scaring him. He says, "Why should a man such as I come down and stop the work that the Lord has called me to?" Hmm. So he's saying, "Why should a man such as I?" In other words, he knows he is a man of the Lord. And it's not only Nehemiah's personal vision is now affecting the people as a whole. Whoa. Um, because he is so focused on who he is in the Lord. He is so focused on the work that God has called him to do. And he has been in the presence of the one who is greater than any That's good. Uh, yeah. person or circumstance that when you've been with him, in that way, there's just, there's nothing that can stop you. Um, so he's not only working from the place of vision, but he's also working from a place of his identity in God. Again, we can't lead our people where we haven't been ourselves. And uh, in Isaiah 6, uh, Isaiah has this vision of the Lord sitting up on his throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And... Um, he just sees the angels like circling around him, flying over him going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The earth is full with his glory. And so he is literally experiencing in this vision and in, in this, this dream, this vision, the, the, just the glory of God. And, and just he's just dwelling in the presence of God. And so he then in response to that, he says, here I am, send me. Go and tell this to people, and um, and the Lord responds with instruction, and it's just this beautiful picture that Isaiah comes with this this consensus of who am I? I'm so unclean, I'm so unholy, I am not worthy of any of this. But God, here I am. Use me, send me. Oh, yeah. it's so good, so good. Love that. And it's crazy because it's like it's a parallel to Nehemiah six, mm -hmm. and this is Isaiah six. So. And it's titled uh, Isaiah's Commission on this chapter, so. Well, I found that verse, by the way. So I did, I misquoted. I was like, I have a feeling I misquoted that. I got half of it right. You want to you fact check? Yeah. <laughs> but Nehemiah 6.11, um, it's actually when they're scaring him a second or trying, attempting to. They're, they're saying, Nehemiah, you should, you should go um, hide in the temple because people are threatening your life. And basically his killer would be waiting for him in the temple. But again, Nehemiah's response is, should such a man as I run away and what man such as I could go into the temple and live, I will not go in. So again, just, just to reiterate, it's kind of the same point, but he's, he's operating from a place in his, his identity in the Lord. Yeah. I think one of the, the awesome points he makes here, he says this, he says, when you increase your focus, you decrease your options. Uh, and so what, what he's saying there is when your only focus is God, you're decreasing your options. There's really no other options but to do the things that will glorify him, will honor him, will point people towards him. There's really no other option. And, and so I love the point that he makes, and, and he pulls that point out of this this uh, this section in Nehemiah. Uh, again, he says, when you increase your focus, you decrease your options. 
When you increase your focus on God, there's nothing else in your in your view. There's nothing else that you're looking at. Uh, there's nothing else distracting you, and you're you're only focused on God and the the work that He's called you to, and the vision that He has placed over your life and on your ministry. And so, therefore, you decrease your your options. There's really no other options but to follow God Himself. Yeah, and it's like where it says to you grow with your nose. That's a huge one too, where yeah. again, no is a powerful word. And um sorry, I gotta throw this in there because I can't help it, but you know, I'm sure Pinocchio can relate to that one too. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. No, a good Matthew. And joke. it was his helpless <laughs> selflessness that saved him in the end. Right. When he uh, was saving Geppetto. So <laughs> I love that movie. I've become a Disney fan like in the last like month, month and a half. Like nice. I liked Disney or whatever, but I'm like falling in love with Disney. It's so like the old Disney, like the classic Disney, like gotcha. the thing that made Disney Disney and not, you know what I mean. But, Before all the distractions yeah. got in and messed it up yeah. when they had a clear yeah. vision, a clear focus on their vision. Come on. Back Come in on. the day. All right. Come on. Uh, so <laughs> they the, sure the, did. <laughs> the it factors for this chapter, we can read through these very quickly. And again, we'll post these on the show notes. Uh, the first one is this. Those who do it all tend to lose it. Yeah. Um, we, we talked about that. We nailed that one. Uh, the clearer your vision becomes, the easier it is to guard. Uh, because it just becomes the only thing you see. And so you're going to guard it. You're going to protect it. Instead of saying, and maybe you need to say, or uh, this is one thing we didn't talk about a whole lot um, is that we can, uh, this, this is a good point that he makes instead of saying, and we need to say, or, um, and so this is kind of when we are weighing what we can or cannot do as a church. Like, well, we can't do, uh, we can't do, uh, let's just throw something out there. We can't do singles ministry and, uh, I don't know, divorce care, you know, maybe we do singles ministry or divorce care. You know, it's, it's like, instead of saying, and we say, or, um, because it's, it's the process of weighing an idea up against your vision and also seeing what your church is capable of doing and what your church is called to do and what your church is equipped to do and what God has called your church to do. And if it lines up with your vision, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And knowing your people well, because I also think your vision is really going to be determined by the context of the community that, that you're living in and what specific need your body has. Absolutely. Um, the next it factor, he says, if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. I love that. Uh, just that visual of trying to chase two rabbits at the same time. You can't do it. It's impossible. Uh, if you've ever tried to do it, uh, it's, you, you know, if you've never tried to do it, go try to do it tonight. You'll, you'll find out what this means. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next one, he says, to be great at a few things and experience it, you have to say no to many things. And I think we, we hit that hard today. Innovation requires saying no to a thousand things. When focus increases, options decrease. When focus increases, options decrease. And the next one, he says, those who have it stick with what brings it. Uh, and the last one, you grow with your nose. When you're, when you're good at saying no, when you know when to say no, uh, that is when you actually grow. That's Matthew's favorite new saying, you grow with your nose. Yeah. It's funny. I really did like that line, but I was like, man, I got to slip a joke in there. You know? Yeah. 
We appreciate that. Uh, real quick, guys, we'll wrap it up like this. We we have one question that we want to talk about, uh, and he leads with he leads into it like this. He says most churches add and add and add ministries. Maybe it's time to prune the vine. Uh, if you had to remove one part of your ministry today, what would it be? And I would even expand this too, and, and just be like, we like to add and add and add things into our lives. And I think we can go around the room and, and see what people, what all of us have to say. Uh, we like to add and add and add things to our lives. What are some things in our lives that we need to remove today? Mm. To be more available, to be more focused on on the divine focus and more focused on what God has called us to um, and the vision that he's put in our lives. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. It's like, I mean, even like it can even come down to material possessions. I mean, it can come down to, do I need to get off social media a little bit earlier to, to spend a little bit more time with the Lord? Or do I need to, you know, maybe take that video game session I have planned for tonight and trim that down to spend a little bit more time? No, no, I don't. No, we're going to keep playing the video. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And it could come down to to prioritizing what's important in your life. I think sometimes also the work you're doing, it can almost force you into having to say no to things because, like I said, the, the work that we're doing at the school, it's been it's been so intense. But again, God is doing miracles in these kids' hearts. But yeah. it has really put me in a situation of, man – how am I going to, because this is what God has called me into, how do I be poured and emptied out as his vessel and, and give it my all for this season and not have, and not be distracted? So one thing I did at the beginning of the year was uh, I took my TV and Xbox and everything out of the bedroom. I don't even have the Xbox plugged up anywhere. I only plug it up if, you know, like one night a week when my brother wants to play or something. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's one thing. Um, I deleted most of my social media. And so, you know, and at first I was worried about that. And, but honestly, I can just say from experience, cutting out a bunch of things. And even, of course, you guys know, you know, I've been trying to learn a lot, another language and there'll be a time for that again, but that's something I've even no, cut, out, cut out as well. No, Matthew, no. <laughs> yes. But because there's, uh, there's so many things I've been like, man, how can I focus completely on, on what the Lord has for me to do right now? And again, those things, because sometimes God, I'll say this, this is a, this is a side note. I do believe that there are sometimes that the Lord will call us to put to death dreams for him to resurrect later. Mm. Because we know that old saying that, you know, before a seed can grow, it has to die first. And I'm even witnessing that in my own life. Dreams that I grieved over years ago that I thought were dead, they're being currently re resurrected in my life wow. in a bigger way than I could have never imagined. And that's, that's what awesome. that's what laying down things can do for you as well, is as um, it can it can put it to death, and there's going to be a grieving with that, but it's going to be God's just going to bring it back in a way that was so much bigger than what you were picturing before. Mine's a lot less profound, and it's just I need to to cut off uh, or cut out uh, being on my phone as much as I am, especially in the morning time because I, I started to make a habit of waking up 
30 minutes earlier than I need to, uh, just so that I can make sure that I'm doing my devotions before I even leave the house. I guess like the first thing I do. Um, but then I got into, I had a, I had a, um, longer weekend, took a 24 hour beach trip and got like zero sleep in the past little bit. And so I've been like sleeping in and then, but like setting my alarm for the same time to wake up a little bit earlier, but not actually wanting to get out of bed and instead grabbing my phone and scrolling on that. And then, you know, 30 minutes turns into 45 and then you're running late and you're running behind for what you need to do and have also missed something that you should have been doing instead, like, you know, doing my morning devotions, getting in, spending time in the word. Instead, I was like scrolling on Instagram or looking at like cool places like Bali. I don't know. I just really like it. But <laughs> what? what? Yeah. What? <laughs> India? Can't. Indonesia. Oh, Indonesia? Yeah. Okay. Bali's really cool. Doris ruined it for us a little bit now, but it's okay. All right. It, that's besides the point. I just need to cut out my phone more, especially in the morning, and actually just get my lazy butt out of the bed. I think for me, guys, it would it would be honestly the the part where he talks about being able to say no was a was a big deal to me because I I have had a, a struggle in my life of saying no. Um, I, in fact, when I first got into ministry, I had a children's minister at, at the church I was at before Grace Point, um, and, and she would tell me like. Eric, you need to learn how to say no. So it was. It, this has been an issue in my life for for many years, and so I have a hard time telling people no, mainly because I just love serving people and I love being there for people, and I don't want to to miss out on opportunities. Um, but it doesn't. But also, I, I, I mean, that could be God trying to show me too that I'm a people pleaser, and I don't think I am. But I just genuinely love to to serve people and be there for people. Um, but also being able to learn how to say no knowing my limits, uh, knowing when I need to say no so that I can be more available to to what God has called me to is something that I definitely need to learn um, and, and, and maybe remove inside of my life um, uh, so that I can be better at ministry and stuff. But uh, we would love to hear from you guys. Uh, you can answer the question. Again, it's, it's, it's the fact that we love to add things to our life, add, add, add. Maybe it's time to prune the vine. If you had to remove one part, uh, of something from from your life that that would make you more available, or from a ministry that you're leading, what would it be? Uh, something that that is is pulling away from the focus, pulling away from the vision uh, of your life or your ministry. What would that one thing be? You can again, you can contact us and answer that question uh, at uh, you can email us at podcast at gracepoint.church or follow us on Instagram and message us there. Apparently the first person that messages us will get a $25 gift card from Justin. Even if you don't live in Cleveland, we'll mail it to you. Uh, yes. So, so uh, tell us, uh, answer our question, come, come join the conversation. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope to see you guys again real soon. Make sure to follow the show and share it with your friends. Join our conversation. Email us, message us on Instagram. We want to hear from you guys. Matthew, thank you so much for being a part of the show again. Uh, it was so much fun being with you today. I hope you had a good time. Always, always. He sounds like he had a great time. Uh, <laughs> I really did. Okay, it was great. amazing. Great. <laughs> thank all you right, for cool. coming. Well, all right. For Justin and Sam and Matthew, I'm Eric. See you next time. 
This has been the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast. Make sure to follow the show, leave a review, and share it with leaders in your life. Pick up a copy of Lead Like It Matters by Craig Rochelle and join the conversation. We'd love to hear your feedback, answer your questions, and have conversations about Jesus with you. You can contact us by email at podcast at gracepoint.church or send us a message on Instagram at GP Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening.